what I would like to see agents do is return to the basics that they were doing with regards to property marketing and every property marketing represent the property in its best light and use the tools, use floor plans, use good imagery, use video, use a virtual tour, use good copy. These are the things that your purchasers are screaming out for. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Hey, hey, everyone. It's Samantha McLean from Elite Agent. Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking prop tech with NARICH Australia's managing partner, Peter Shravamade. So, Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Good to see you all the way from the sunny coast to the Gold Coast. Great to be on your podcast. Thank you. Well, the last time we were this close was when we were in Boston together a couple of years ago (laughs) for NAR. Indeed. It feels like it was like 100 years ago now. Oh, it certainly does. That pandemic did nothing for, you know, the stretching time. But yes, that was the last time. So good to see you, albeit virtually at the moment. I think we've caught up maybe once or twice briefly in between that, but would be brief, I think. Yeah. Oh, I came to your party on the Gold Coast. Thank you for that. Oh, the, yeah, last After Eric. I keep thinking last year, but no, it was, it was actually <laughs> this year. We're still in 2022. We are. 2023 is still like six weeks away. But I think the reason that I wanted to get you on the podcast was to talk about prop tech in general and prop tech in Australia. But there's a lot of people that probably actually know you from your time at Box Brownie. And a lot of people, like, well, a lot of people may or may not know that Box Brownie has been responsible for quite a few of our covers or the, <laughs> you know, the artwork yeah. on a lot of our covers. Yeah. So they don't just do homes or anything like that. But you spent a lot of time as the head of sales and marketing and as general manager of Box Brownie. Talk to me about that time because you started that company from virtually nothing and it, now it's a global phenomenon, basically. Sure. When I joined Box Brownie, there was one employee and he was a customer service staff. And look, it was quite small. We really hadn't made much of a cut through to the market. And it was only sort of six months into the journey that I think most of us started believing. Like if you speak to Brad, the owner, founder, anyone who's had the pleasure of meeting my brother from another mother, he always believed it was going to go bananas. But I remember the first meeting I had with Mel, who's the CEO of Box Brownie. And he said explicitly at that stage, if we haven't turned over a profit in six months, we're going to close the doors. So to go from sort of there to where it was when I left it in February of 2022, it was a heck of a journey is one I will always be thankful for, but what an amazing experience and what an amazing thing to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember thinking with the amount of travel that you did, because you'd always be popping up on the American websites on Inman and on NAR and places like that. I remember thinking that you must literally have shares in Qantas or something like that because, you know, like you're always on a plane and always traveling somewhere. What was life on the road like for that length of time? Yeah, look, it was unsustainable is the word I'd give to that. Um, (laughs) Look, in 2019, I spent over 300 days overseas out of that year. And in 2018, it wasn't much less than that. It was about 290 
somewhere there. So there was a lot of time spent on the road. We had a particularly aggressive approach to getting our product or our brand out there. And a lot of that was boots on the ground. And it wasn't just me traveling. I believe I did the lion's share, but um, certainly Brad and Mel were on the road for stints in there. Brad spent quite a bit of time on the road. But, you know, I am married. I have children and that's a, that's a particularly hard slog to take 300 days on the road. Basically, that's not a fly-in, fly-out worker. That's a very difficult conversation to have. So when the pandemic happened or COVID sort of hit, I believe one of the lessons I took out of that was how much better is it to be at home and to be spending around these three amazing children I have after I reintroduced myself to them, the three amazing children I have and the amazing wife who we spent all of that time. And by the way, worked for Box Brownie as well during that period. So very, very lucky. Glad that I'm not traveling that much anymore. But I do also, I've got to say, I love travel, Samantha. I do love travel. And spending that time on the road, I don't know many people who will do it and live out of a suitcase, but I am one who uniquely did it and loved it and loved all the fantastic people I meet and loved having a talk to them and finding out their story as well. Yeah. So I remember when, I think when we were all in Boston, I was talking to a couple of the other Box Brownie guys and it seemed like you knew all the right conferences to go to. And now that travel is back on the agenda, if you're a real estate agent in Australia and you're thinking about, well, I really should get my butt over to NAR or to Inman or one of those. I mean, there's pretty much a conference every week, I think, like, you know, in some state of America. Are you allowed to say which one was your favorite? Oh, yeah. Without a doubt, that was Inman. I'm allowed to say that. I've kind of got three that I hold in high regard. The two Inmans, the Inman New York and the Inman Las Vegas. I prefer New York just because. I prefer the location. Yeah, yeah. Las Vegas, by the way, if you're listening to this for the first time, Las Vegas is great for a visit. But after you spent the amount of time I've spent in Las Vegas, it loses its shine fairly quickly. So I don't so much enjoy going there anymore. But that is where a lot of the American conferences are held. So the Inman conferences are always great. They always had what they called ambassadors, which I'm lucky enough to be one of, whereby I can connect people who attend that conference. People come to me and say, hi, I'm Joe from Spain and I am here to see this kind of technology. And hopefully I have the knowledge or I have the ability to network that person in. And that was a very, very unique perspective to Inman. It was something I really loved about it was the way the Americans sort of grabbed you and gave you a big hug and said, actually, I don't care where you're from or what you do. You're part of the real estate community and we're going to share our knowledge with you. So those two were great. I can't, in my right mind, go without mentioning the NAR annual conference that I know you came to, Samantha. That was where we met, I feel, in Boston. And they happen once a year. If you go to the website, they're all over it. They have between sort of twelve and 20,000 people at those. So they're easy to get lost in. But what they do have that other conferences don't have is they have access to some of the cutting edge real estate tools that are out there. Their expo halls are like you've never seen before. So there'd be those. I also didn't mind another conference that happened, which is probably not one that agents and brokers would go to, but it was called Property Portal Watch, run by the former owner of realestate.com.au, Simon Baker. I mean, they happen all around the world. There's one in Miami, one in Thailand, one in Madrid. And I liked those conferences because it gave a different angle especially from a box brownie perspective. But 
that's probably not a conference for anyone. The other two big ones that are on in the world is Expo Real out of Germany. Difficult if you're not fluent in German, but there are a lot of English speakers there. And the other really fun one I really enjoyed going to is Mipham in Cannes, France. The Azure Coast is a beautiful spot and Monaco is just up the road. So conference aside, there are very, very few venues that line up with that Mipham conference in Cannes. So hopefully that gives you something to put on your bucket list. I was going to say, France and Germany are going on my bucket list immediately. (laughs) Yeah, and if you want another one that's an up-and-comer in the prop tech industry, Blueprint in Las Vegas is one that's in its third year of running in it. It has some serious swagger or street cred to it. So that's another one I would consider. They're all Googleable and searchable. So if you don't know where they are, I'm sure my details would be on there and I can get details across to you after this podcast is finished. Yeah, we'd love to leave some links in the show notes because I can see people sort of trying to tap on their phones going, oh my God, <laughs> quick write that down. <laughs> France, I'm going, I'm going. Before we get onto what you're up to now, like obviously there was Box Brownie and all the conferences and all the travel and then came the pandemic. So that sort of stopped the travel and the conferences a bit. But again, you weren't idle during that time. You actually did a big piece of research on marketing and on listings and things like that just so we can leave yet another link in the show notes. I feel like our link count's gone up and we're not even 10 minutes in. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about the research you did and what you found? Yeah, so the NAR, the National Association of Realtors, who ironically I'm a part of now, you'll hear about that later, but the National Association of Realtors, not to be confused with the National Rifle Association, that's different all again, but they have 1.9 million members and they have quite an extensive research department, like very, very very extensive. They have data scientists, a whole team of them working for them. One of the documents that they come out with yearly, annually, and they've been doing it since 2013, is the National Association of Realtors Buyer and Seller Generational Trend Report, which is, that's a mouthful. I'm sure they have a cool acronym for that. I don't know what it is, but the crux of this report is I loved it. When I was operational as an agent, I would have loved something to exist like that in Australia. It tells you, and you can go and download these, by the way, you can search for them. In the generational trends report, it tells you which buyers are buying, what age demographic they are, how are they finding the properties, all of this amazing information that was out there and even trends. So if I was a real estate agent, I could see either the rise of virtual tours or the fall of whatever that was. And how that impacted me is Box Brownie was a marketing agency, as you've already mentioned. And I was curious as to see, like they had this great stats on how you actually get all of your marketing out there to a buyer, but then what was the response to that? And there was no kind of report or statistics that would piece together, you know, here is what we know about purchases. This is what the National Association was saying. Here is what we know they want to see. But there was nothing to say is here is a report card on actually how we're doing. And so this report that I did on behalf of Box Brownie was we went and assessed the marketing that was on 35,000 listings on Zillow and Realtor and the major aggregators that were over in the US to analyze. I will give a bit of a snapshot as to where is the state of the US marketing. And what we found is that it didn't line up with what the National Association of Realtors was actually saying, here is what a purchaser wants to see. So, you know, that kind of beggars belief because you've got a really good report sort of saying, this is what the purchasers want to see. 
And that's available every year since 2013. They're about to enter their 10th year next year. There's nine years of that. And a lot of the trends you can actually analyze over the nine years. It gives you a really, really good basis to go on. This is what I should do. And to find that the majority of realtors over in the US were just completely ignoring that. And then we investigated some of the reasons as to why they were completely ignoring it. And what was the cost to actually get yourself into a position where you were doing it? So that report, yeah, it was self-serving for Box Brownie. It was really a, a report that smashed into a lot of franchises and actually told them that there are really cost-effective ways of marketing property that your purchasers want to see that you're currently not doing. So that was one of the reasons we did that. And I had some spare time on my hands during the pandemic to commission that and oversee it. What do you feel were the biggest pieces of advice you could give agents based on the findings? The piece of advice that I would give to agents here in Australia and New Zealand is to not cut corners. We've come from a period where before something was put on the internet or before we even bothered marketing it, it was sold. And the market's tightening up a bit now across the board, not so much on the Gold Coast or the Sunny Coast where you are, but if I look at Australia as a generalization, it's tightening up. And what I would like to see agents do is return to the basics that they were doing with regards to property marketing. And every property marketing represent the property in its best light and use the tools, use floor plans, use good imagery, use video, use a virtual tour, use good copy. These are the things that your purchasers are screaming out for in specific order. So don't cut corners here. But to the US audience, and I'm well aware that we have a lot of those, is if you do three things, it's really another ball game. If you have good photography or professional photography, if you have a floor plan and you have a virtual tour, you actually sit in the top 0.5% of marketers across the US. And that's not a wonderful stat. And it's not hard to sort of get to that point where you are consistently doing that on every single listing. And probably the other challenge I'd give to Australian business owners, if you're an owner, a principal, as we call them, or a broker in the US, is to focus on doing that for all properties, whether they're commercial or property management, or I know there's always budget, there are cost-effective ways of doing that. So that'd be my three pieces of advice from my box brownie days sort of thrown in there. Yeah, well, I can definitely say you just mentioned floor plans and we've just settled on a property to live in. And I know in my search, no matter what portal happened to be on, the floor plan was critical yeah, because you're trying to work out whether your furniture will fit into XYZ space and without it, the better the floor plan, the let's just say the more happy. Informed, <laughs> informed and qualified. It informs the buyer and it qualifies them. Like if you're not going to fit stuff in that space or you don't think you can live in it, then you're not going to send through an inquiry, which is not going to waste the agent's time. I mean, you're yeah. not going to turn up for an inspection. Or the flip side to that is if the floor plan actually tells you that this is going to be the right size, then instantly you're more interested in that property and will make an inquiry. So it's a duplicitous process where it might rule someone out, but it better qualifies somebody who's more interested and then you have a stronger lead coming through to you. Yeah. And I also think there's a lot of value in that not cutting corners that you know you just mentioned because I think, well, any piece of content that you put out there to do with property that you can then use on social or any of the other platforms, not just the portals. It's all good branding for you as an agent, yeah? Oh, absolutely. If you came to me and said to me, Pete, we haven't had time to do the cover for the next Elite Agent magazine and she'll be right attitude, you'd never do that. This is your brand. This is the way it represents. So, you know, you put as much time into making those covers stunning 
as an agent should really into preparing a listing for market. Yeah, absolutely. So then let's sort of go forward in time now because in February you took some time off or you took some time out from Box Brownie to spend with the family and then you end up managing partner of Reach Australia. So how did that spending the time with the family go? It wasn't so much that. Myself and my wife both worked at Box Brownie and we both resigned. We had made a decision that it was time for us to move on to another challenge. And we both had no idea of what the next challenge was. And this is not the first time I've done that. Before I signed up for Box Brownie, I resigned my previous role as the operations manager for a hotel franchise with no idea of where I was going next. It's a terrifying feeling for those of you who have ever done it, but it's so liberating to sort of land on your feet at the next turtle. But resigning cold is difficult. A lot of people go looking for the job first. And that wasn't my intention. I had always said to Mel and Brad, there will come a period of time where I will hand in my resignation to you because I realize I don't have a lot to offer. And from now, it's you moving forward, or I don't feel invested in making this work anymore. So that was the thought process we went through. We both resigned. (laughs) So we were unemployed and we took some time off. And it was during that period, to be honest, I was fortunate enough to have quite a few offers on the table. There was a lot of really super low unemployment rate at that time, if you remember, if you look back to February. It was the lowest I've seen it in some time. So there was no shortage of offers coming through. But what I was after is, is an area that I felt strongly about or I cared about, you know, one that was closer to my heart. And that sounds stupid. It's a job just like any other job. But I am engendered in seeing Australian property tech move forward. I always have been. Anyone that you know that I have influenced or had any kind of conversation with about property technology in Australia will tell you that I'm a diehard Aussie prop tech tragic. There's another one I could name, Kylie Davis, my very good friend, Kylie Davis. We're both prop tech diehard tragics. And to that measure, when Reach came to me and said, hey, here is what the job entails. And I'd had a lot of impact with the Reach program anyway, being a mentor for all of their other programs. And actually having gone through the program over there in the US, it seemed like a very, very comfortable and natural fit. So that was how it happened. I applied for the role and I was fortunate to be accepted. And I've loved it ever since. Yeah. So for people that don't know who Reach is, can you give us a bit of a snapshot of who they are and what they do? So the NAR is the National Association of Realtors. And 23 years ago, they decided to set up a venture capital firm, largely based around the fact that there's all this new property technology coming up. How do we decide what of those or which of those property tech players are of value? And they identified the time to get in the door was early. So what they started is a venture capital fund, Second Century Ventures, which is the biggest venture capital firm only dedicated to property technology. So For those of you listening, it's not the biggest venture capital firm in the world. It's the biggest venture capital solely focused on property technology in the world. And it started 23 years ago. One of the first investments they made was a little old company called DocuSign, who didn't look anywhere near what they look like today. But to give you an idea of how far some of the companies they've invested in have gone, DocuSign is one of the first. So all of the others sit in various stages between a startup and where they are. And not all of them will become that big, but that is something that does happen. So Second Century Ventures is the venture capital backed by the National Association of Realtors. 
And I work for the REACH program. So what Second Century Ventures have done is we are going to appoint or start a REACH program in various areas around the world that we see emerging technology in to identify that form of technology early. And then we're going to run it through an accelerator program to grow that property technology over a six, seven month period. So here I am the managing partner of REACH Asia Pacific or Asia, as it's called. We run programs in Australia and we're pretty excited very soon to be announcing the start of a New Zealand track as well. Yeah, amazing. And so overall, what's the overall goal with PropTech as it relates to real estate businesses? Like what benefits do you hope to bring to the average agent? Well, firstly, property technology that's been vetted and is of value. And, you know, everyone talks about technology in general solving a problem. These may have some kind of play for some agents. They may not have a play for all agents. But generally, holistically, we look at the industry and we go, is this property technology that is cutting edge and new and has some kind of way of delivering or being of a service to agents, to brokers, to franchises? Really, it can have any impact. It can even be you know, a property technology that has a play at the real estate industry bodies, the REIs here. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily specifically, like you might look at some of the REACH program companies that have been there in the past and go, well, that doesn't have a play for me. I'm here in residential real estate. But lo and behold, that is a really, really good commercial tool for a commercial agent. So we take a holistic approach and we look at the prop tech and we invest in that. But probably more than that, our goal is then to guide that form of technology, whatever it may be, on a bespoke journey to not only grow, to put it in front of the partners that are there and give it access to you know a global team of mentors who are able to give the advice that ordinarily they wouldn't have. And I'll use Box Brownie as an example for this. One of the major issues that Box Brownie had over in the US was, is it ethical to replace the grass in the listing? Or is it ethical to change the sky to a sunset? And one of the mentors had said, you really need to answer that question before anyone at an association or an MLS, if you know the US, they are very important entities. Before they take you seriously, you need to be able to answer that question. So this mentor was able to give us a piece of advice and we could answer that very succinctly. So they gave us a piece of advice that unlocked the key to then modify our prop tech or our product in order to get it into the MLSs and the associations and also give us a major voice in influencing ethical marketing, photography, and copyright in North America. Yeah. So not only could it help agents by... I guess, vetting some of the technology that you feel is around to stay and also helping those Aussie startups make it big overseas. Yeah, and understand the industry. We see every day, if you speak to Peter Brewer at the REIQ or Peter Matthews at the REI NSW, there's not a day that goes past where these prop techs aren't trying to knock down their door to get them in front of all of our members. But they haven't stopped to consider what do the REIs actually do? What do they want? And what is the messaging that you can provide? What is the best way then for you to bring your product into an REI and say, here is a product that may be worth you looking at? And what do I expect to get out of the relationship? So it's a duplicitous scenario where not only are we trying to advise the prop tech on, hey, here's the best way into the industry, but we're also talking to them about their messaging and how they present themselves with those industry players as well. Even from your perspective, how does a prop tech approach a brand like a lead agent? How do they do that? What is the messaging that they need? 
do they just send you a blanket email and say, you should print this? Or is there a greater conversation that you need to have about what is newsworthy and what is worth getting in front of them? So these are things that reach endeavors to educate our cohort in. Yeah. I was going to say, is that a question? Because, you know, the word exclusive works for me too. (laughs) Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, Moving on. I was talking to Nigel Dalton um, earlier this year. He was on the podcast actually. And he said to me that, you know, looking like you're on trend and being or an early adopter and being early kind of look very similar, <laughs> you know, and in the property industry, we've gone through stages or at least I have over the years of Ubers of real estate and disruptors and disintermediators and then a new generation of where the new Uber of real estate etc, etc. The list goes on. How do you identify something or someone who's got something that is the real deal and a game changer versus something that is just, you know, are you seeing anything at the moment? Yeah, that is interesting or particularly uninteresting, I guess. Yeah, well, we've we've just been through a period where we've seen a lot of offer management platforms which accelerate, which were born out of the frustration of purchases. Yeah, the pandemic was a big pain point. And I know we've spoken off air about the damage that period did to real estate agents' reputation. And some of it is not even laid at our feet. You know, the, these are regulatory requirements. In Queensland here, we have a sealed envelope, which is still what the Office of Fair Trading says we should do for multiple offers. And I can tell you firsthand, it doesn't work. So these offer management platforms like Open, like Market Buy, well, they have been born out of that period. So I've seen a lot of those go. But back to your question, I have never seen a really good idea in the prop tech circle that has shown up saying we're the new Uber of, you know, as soon as they're saying we are the Uber, it means they have to tell you that they are. And, and Uber didn't run around going, we are the new Uber. <laughs> they didn't do that. So it's very rare when somebody, as just as a rule of thumb, and, you know, maybe I'll be proven wrong on this in the future. But when somebody rolls in and says we're the new Uber of real estate, generally the credibility has already dropped to a certain level. I have found the best operators to be quite introverted, humble people and just go about their work and focus more on how their product actually impacts their client. And we, when I'm looking at products, we look at a lot of things. We look at how they're managed. We look at the finance. We look at whether the product is actually commercially proven itself. We also look at industry advice. So on our panel, we might be showing this to a highly successful agent and saying, what's your take on this? Or a highly successful principal broker and maybe even someone in a franchise and going, what is your take on this? And getting all of their say and going, does this look like somewhere that there is a play? Because I know from firsthand and Box Brownie is not a unicorn. It's not an Uber. It has been successful in its own right, but it was never, it was never one of those things. They grow much faster. But I remember walking into meetings and being absolutely smashed by the people that were in there going, this will never take off. What a terrible name. Why would you call it Box Brownie? Like, what's that got to do with anything? And I love that. (laughs) Well, it's got a good story behind it, but they wouldn't know that. I remember famously being told after we were in 110 odd countries around the world that we would never go international with a name like that. So knockbacks always come and there's always this, is this technology going to work or is it not going to work? And I suppose the thing that sets us apart at reach is we've had a lot of experience in actually looking at property technology companies over 23 years. And we rely on that experience. You know, if we're in any doubt about whether something is of relevant, 
we will get the industry players who are responsible to come in and have a look at that to then give us their opinion. And then we'll make a decision as to how we move forward, whether we invest in that tech, whether it's going to be a part of the REACH program. And don't forget, there are many people who've applied for the REACH program who haven't gotten it out there. And they're amazing companies in their own right. We are not the sole stamp of approval on a property technology company. There are so many out there that have made it on their own and they haven't used venture capital to get there and they've been part of other incubators. So I don't think there is a monopoly on brains when it comes to, is this going to work or otherwise, it's something that you're going to have to decide for yourself. But what we do try and do is we try and provide you with the relevance of whatever that property technology is and how that works for you in true application. Yeah. And so what are your goals for NAR Reach Australia for 2023? Well, we've spent most of 2022, I don't believe a lot of your listeners will even have heard of the REACH Australia or NAR REACH Australia program. I don't think many of them have heard of them. So I'm hoping that they have some kind of understanding now, or if you're listening to this, you have some kind of understanding of what we do. But in 2023, we're going to bring you another cohort, which will be between seven and 10 new companies. More my goal for it is helping the Australian public understand that when we are bringing technology, there's a credibility that's behind it. There's a belief that this is going to be of some value and that as part of that, the companies that are in the current cohort and the alumni, the 30-something companies that we've already invested in for the three years prior to now, there's a reason that we brought them to the market and that you give them an ear is probably more what I would encourage people to do. They have been through a pretty stringent vetting process in order to get where we are and we do stand by these companies and I feel like that should mean something. So by the end of 2023, I'm hoping that I've been to enough conferences that you've seen my ugly mug in front of you and I had a chance to ask me what is coming up and what are the cool forms of tech that you see and can I have a look at them and where are they and can you connect me with them? So it's going to be a year, I feel, of getting on the road and actually showing people the forms of tech that we've got. And I love that. It's not, as we discussed earlier, being on the road and traveling is, nothing I'm foreign to. So I'm looking forward to 2023 and bringing those to you in a town near you. In a town near you. Absolutely. So I've got another couple of questions to ask you. And these are questions that moving forward, we're asking everyone on the podcast so that we can, you know, there was a flurry of links at the beginning, but you know, like we're keen to share as many resources as we can from our guests with our audience. So I'm going to ask you five questions, which are kind of rapid fire questions. I know you haven't seen them, but It's always best when you're like off the top of your head. So are you game? Yep, let's go. All right. Name one person that's been an inspiration to you throughout your career. There's a bloke out of Rockhampton. His name is Solly Stanton. Queenslanders will know this bloke. He runs the Silly Solly franchises. If you've ever heard of those, there'll be people listening to this who have at discount stores, nothing over $5. There's some on the Gold Coast near you, Samantha. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and he was instrumental. So. I'll just paraphrase it. He was told he had a terminal illness, got out of the Silly Solly stores, sold them and had a non-compete clause. So then he entered property. And this was one of the first men I ever met in real estate. And he had an amazing influential career by bringing the retail market into property and really laid the foundation. If you then look at my future career as to the direction I was going. So Solomon Stanton, or as I know him, Silly Solly, he was a remarkable influence. Lebanese bloke just a true gentleman and a great human. I'm going to look him up for sure. What's your favorite thing to do in the world when you're not at the office? I'm a music tragic. Most people don't realize it, but my formal training is in 
as a musician. So between music and playing soccer, but if I had to really talk about my passion, it's it's for I love listening to really good music. You know, good music is highly subjective. <laughs> I'm going to go on the area of jazz, contemporary, pop. That's probably in the area. Soul music, I love that. That's the direction that I really, really enjoy. Do you play an instrument or sing? I do. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you can see it. There's a piano behind me. I play oh. piano. There's a couple of pianos in here. There's another couple over there. And I also sing. These microphones that are hanging around my office are from a repurposed studio. There's another one just over here to the right. They're from a repurposed audio recording studio. And at the moment, we're renovating. So we kind of got everything in here. And if I turn the camera around, you can see studio recording equipment on either side. But yeah, I was quite successful in my real estate career up until about five years ago when Box Brownie really took off and I had to take a back seat. Yeah, interesting. There's definitely a band somewhere in the real estate industry, like the more people I talk to, certainly when someone knew about you, there's definitely a band. <laughs> What's your favorite business book that you've ever read and why? I don't know if it's a business book, but there's an Australian bloke by the name of Warren Tate, I would say a dear friend of mine, and he wrote a book called I Get You which is about communication and it's a tool I don't see often enough. If you are good at communicating, a lot of pieces of your business fall into play. You're able to communicate with your staff. You're able to communicate your product to a target audience. And Warren Tate, an auctioneer actually out of Melbourne, but an excellent communicator. And he wrote this book and it resonated with me. Uh, The time I found it, we were trying to nail down the box brownie pitch for multiple audiences for multiple products. And we got Warren in to do that. And the rest is history. Warren was really just a champion in understanding, you know, we'd blurt out something and go, here is our pitch. And he'd go, that doesn't mean anything. Let's go again. Here is what you may want to think about when you're delivering it. How do you address it succinctly? The ability to listen. These are all things that Warren taught. So I Get You is his book. I'm sure it's available for not much on Amazon. I have I have a copy of it over there on the bookshelf. So that's one that I'd highly recommend to any kind of business operator, especially if you're struggling to communicate. Yep. Fantastic. This one's going to be a tough one for you to answer, I think, because there's going to be too many things to choose from, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What is your favorite technology resource that you use daily to help you in your business life? I don't think that's very hard. My life these days is more about meetings and I'm incredibly time poor. So I use one that people would have heard of. It's a scheduling assistant called Calendly. And it cuts out, because I'm attached to an American audience with multiple time zones and just south of the border, they've got a different time zone to you, Samantha. And then we've got Adelaide and we've got Perth. And a lot of Asia have different time zones. My most valuable resource is Calendly because of all of the different time zones. I can set my times and say, here is when I want to meet. I can set specific times and I can just send out a link. And I genuinely think people appreciate the lack of backwards and forwards about going, when are we going to meet? And, you know, I know even in doing this podcast, we've had that scheduling assistant involved. I'm pretty sure you have a very similar thing. But that is a piece of technology that I use every single day that I've found just cuts out so much mucking around. Yeah. I love people that love Calendly because it means when I see the little green dot between their calendar and mine, I know I'm onto a winner. And there you go. And instantly, you don't have to stuff around going, are you available at one o'clock on Friday? Oh, is that your time zone? So, you know, it'll save your life. If you're not already using it, use it. Yeah. Great for booking appraisals, I think. Yeah. And finally, 
in the real estate industry, we love a good quote. So what is your favorite success quote and why? My mother passed away when I was 21 and she used to have a saying that has been emblazoned on my life. I've never forgotten this quote and it's how you act and react dictates who you are. So chips might be down, people might be throwing things at you, things might not be going your way, but how you then react to those scenarios will then dictate the person that you are. So sometimes when somebody comes to you with a question and your instant idea is to sort of cut them off and dismiss them and not take that further, that's going to leave them with an impression of who you are. And it doesn't just only work when the chips are down, when things are going your way and you ignore someone because you don't need that piece of business, that also dictates who you are. So it's a little bit like do unto others as they would do, but it's a bit of a twist on that because it talks about your action or your reaction to something. And I really love that. And that stuck with me ever since I was very little. My mum used to tell me that. It's another way of saying sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. It's a twist on that. I've always loved it. It's a piece of my mother that I carry with me today. Yeah, that's lovely. You know how they always say to you, control the controllables. I feel like what she's saying is don't worry about what's going on around you. Do the right thing for you rather than worrying about other people, I guess. So one more question because we're in November and lately when I've been recording the podcast, I've been asking everyone this question, so you're not getting away either. The big fella, the big fella in the red suit is about to start his journey from the North Pole that we can sort of look at online these days. I'm going to put it in technology context for you. Normally, you know, like I say, he's going to get through the window or down the chimney, but you know, like (laughs) he's on his way from NORAD Santa (laughs) with some gifts for the real estate industry. What do you hope he has in his Santa sack? (laughs) For for me? For the industry. And then for you. uh, Look, for the real estate industry, I believe as an industry, we need to improve the consumer opinion of who we are. I think it's at an all-time low. So I hope if he's got something for the industry, it is along the lines of making us care more about the consumers, remembering that the consumers may be a tenant, may be a landlord, it may be a purchaser, it may be a seller, it may be just someone asking for advice. It could be Joe next door who wants to have a barbecue discussion with you about how much his property is worth. I genuinely hope if there's a Christmas gift for all real estate agents, realtors, whatever you want to call yourself, property professionals. It is a dose of care when it comes to your consumer and a genuine New Year's resolution to be better at dealing with our consumers because I think the industry depends on it. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. And for you, what's on your Christmas list? (laughs) Have you been naughty or nice? (laughs) I don't know. Depends on who you ask. If you ask my wife, I know that's going down a different line. I won't go down there. <laughs> Just tell us what you want. What do you want from the big fella? Do you know what? I've never had an iPad. I've never had an iPad. Not once. It's a piece of technology I never saw the need for. There's better processing power on these MacBooks. And I've always got a, you know, a massive phone that I'm dealing with. So I sit there on those flights and I look at people on iPads and think to myself, I could really do some work on that. But then when I get to the Apple store, I don't know whether... I'm going to spend the money and never use it. It's a piece of equipment that sits around. But I saw you on an iPad before and you obviously use it fairly proficiently. So, you know, I'd like a top of the range iPad. If you want to post that to my address, I'll put it in the comments <laughs> later on. I'll let Santa know that if he's got a spare one, he should send it to the sunny coast. 
Yeah, that'd be greatly appreciated. I've got a chimney too. You can see it behind my back. There's a chimney over there. Good luck trying to fit down that. It's like this wide, but whatever. Absolutely. Well, Peter, it's been fantastic catching up with you on the podcast and thanks so much for joining and sharing your knowledge and giving us a bit of an insight into what you're doing now and how that's going to help the industry in the future. If there was one thing or one piece of advice that you'd like to leave everyone with, what would it be? (laughs) Don't do anything I wouldn't do. (laughs) <laughs> well actually i don't know if that's good or bad advice is there- <laughs> it depends on who you are i suppose some people will look at that and go wow that opens the world to me but other people will go oh. yeah how about we leave it at you know go to france go to Cannes for a real estate conference yeah good one if you get the chance and you go to mipham oh my goodness you have to try the french rosé overlooking the Azua coast. <laughs> well worth the trip. Thank you, Box Brownie, for sending me there on the company purse. <laughs> now, that is great. That is great advice. Peter Shravermain, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Samantha. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. With thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joinaliteagent.com.